Hello and welcome to the second series of Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. We're here to lift the lid on the world of financial advice, providing insight for those already in the industry and anyone thinking of a new career. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones. Join me in this second series as we address common misconceptions head on, gather advice from both practicing advisors and external experts, speak with those who have overcome hurdles and hear people's inspiring stories from all walks of life. In today's episode, we're focusing on how people from sporting or military backgrounds can transition very nicely indeed into the financial advice sector and, of course, why. I have two guests with me on today's episode. Welcome to the podcast to Patrick Glennon from Patrick James Solutions and to James Rice from David James Wealth. Welcome to you both. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Hi. So, um, Patrick, let's start with you first. Um, basic question. You're ex-military and uh, you're in the financial sector. So how did you first get into it? So before I joined the military, I worked in the bank's Northern Rock City Financial. And I had a bit of a career from leaving school, leaving college before deciding to make that jump into service. So you went into the military after having already been in the finance sector and now you're back in it again. So has the military helped? Absolutely. It kind of changed the values and, and, and allowed me to grow as a person. I think purely by luck, I left the industry at a time when it went through a lot of difficulty. When I came back into the industry in 2013, uh, the storm had already been weathered by you guys. Um, and, and I came back into it the perfect opportunity when it was a lot more settled, a lot more structured. Um, and I suppose you could say that that was just meant to be. Mm. And James, you've got, um, well, you're no stranger to this podcast. We spoke to you um, in the first season as well. A fantastic career as a super successful golfer in the past. And now you're in the financial sector. Uh, So tell us a little bit about that transition, how you made that jump. Definitely disagree with you. Uh, That's sort of the the reason really for moving away from playing golf uh, and actually uh, you know, I was keen to to remain involved in sport, but I didn't want to be directly involved in golf. So teaching or running an academy or something like that. I'd always been really interested in finance uh, and I saw an opportunity to help uh, people, you know, initially professional golfers who had had lots of success, lots more than me on the course. But actually, uh, you know, in my opinion, were fairly poor at managing their finances and looking after the wealth that they'd managed to amass. So, you know, I, I sort of saw an opportunity there to potentially bridge a gap and help people in that space, uh, you know, manage their money better uh, and put them in touch with people who could really give them credible advice that would help them over the long term. And are there obvious transferable skills from golf or sports in general to this particular industry? Yeah, I think I think um, anybody that's kind of had a, a relative amount of success in, in sport or, you know, anything that, that, that takes a huge amount of dedication can can transfer that into into any profession but I mean finance in particular is can be quite a stressful intense environment that you know requires you to remain relatively calm uh, at all times you need to be optimistic I think you know everybody at the moment there's plenty going on with interest rates inflations markets are all over the place I think to some degree you have to be an optimist to work in this uh, in this industry because there are a lot of sort of um uh, doomsayers, so to speak, and you need to be able to keep your clients positive uh, and looking forward towards um, their future. So there's lots of transferable skills, probably won't go into all of them. But I think for me, personally, I think having the ability to know that, you know, I could work really hard, I was really focused, I was able to um, take on board feedback, whether that be positive or negative, 
uh, and then put it towards kind of a progression plan of things that I've all brought with me to to running a business in the financial advice space. And Patrick, tell us a little bit about the those transferable skills from the military into financial advice as well. Presumably, there's competitiveness, which uh, which James will have experienced as well, coming from a sporting background, uh, which is relevant, but also that resilience that you really need. You know, we heard in season one that you really have to work hard to get something out of this sector. And, and obviously that goes without saying that you really have to push through the tough times um, when you're in the military. Without a doubt, uh, the discipline um, and I suppose the consequences of your actions um, is, is something that you'll take with you into any vocation, I'm sure. Also, it's just the understanding of the person that we're dealing with. So whether that's a, someone that I'm bringing into the business from one of those past occupations, be it the military, no matter if it's the Army, Navy, um, or Royal Air Force, bringing them into this space, it's just to understand where they've been um, and and that transition that they're making, as well as what I've learned along the way, because everyone's will be different. Uh, We've all done a different job, but we've all got those core skills of the respect for others, um, doing what you say you're going to do. But again, the discipline helps with the structure um, and the consequences, i.e. double checking, looking at, we call it fives and twenties to make sure that everything's done right. So it happens first time um, and you don't have to go to plan B. And I guess with the military, you know, you, you, you will often have a lot of people who are in their 40s, for example, who are now considering having uh, retired from the military and they're considering their options uh, going forward. So what would you say to someone, Patrick, who has a military background, who is now maybe in their late 30s and they, they're they now thinking, well, what do I do um, post this life, which has been you know, my whole adult life so far? <laughs> it's it's a question that every single person in the in the service w- will have to ask themselves if they stay and do the full 22 year service in the army for example they'll have to consider that at that point um, there's not many jobs out there where you know you're going to have a career change and there's not many jobs in uh, what they would call civilian street where they would walk in and expect to do the same thing yes a royal signals soldier can leave and then move into the communication sector here. Um, of course, those things can happen. Same with a- any of the army medics. Um, but it's the difference of the life and the lifestyle. And and I suppose working somewhere which is going to support the next episode of your life, those next 20, 30 years. Um, and I think it's just really allowing them to have that transition, which they do get to the military in their credit of a transfer um, of skills, which they um, towards the end of the career, about the last 18 months, they will transition into this this new world. They get a lot of support. So they've got times to almost to delve, put the foot in that industry, uh, learn about it like we wouldn't. We can't just de- suddenly decide to be a paramedic and see if we like it. They get to learn a little bit more about it, do a lot of training, gain some qualifications and hopefully make that right decision again first time. And is the financial advice sector the industry an obvious route for someone who's in that 18 month period coming to the end of their military um, career going off the reaction that I get when I tell people what I used to do before coming into this and I didn't do the full 22 year service um, I think it's it's a surprising um, but it's a well-suited industry clearly not for everybody that 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 goes without saying um, but Again, going back to the structure, the discipline and, and the respect for others, it's a very rewarding job, completely different to what we used to do. But it's very rewarding in the respect of kind of helping people achieve their dreams, 
having that responsibility of what you're doing today really matters to someone else helps with that the loss uh, of not so much the adrenaline but the importance of what you do and i think for the right people that come into the industry bearing in mind how many service leavers you're going to get we're not going to try and grab a, a high 10 percent um, the ones that do come in the industry with the knowledge behind and have done the research really will thrive and, and i'd love to see within my own business me taking on more people from those sectors absolutely and james similarly to the military i suppose sporting professionals don't necessarily kind of work in their chosen sport through until retirement you know sort of 60s 70s i mean perhaps golf actually being the only one that maybe that maybe you could in your profession now in the financial sector you're going to be seeing a lot of people exporting um athletes who are maybe in their 30s and their 40s and they are thinking about making this transition as well. Why would you want to employ that person? Why would you want to employ yourself, essentially? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, um, you know, uh, people that have, as I said earlier, been successful in sport have a huge amount of skills that they can transfer across, the discipline. Um, also, you know, Patrick touched on a little bit, but we have a huge privilege of, of being able to look after people and their finances and, and, and have some, you know, very kind of private, in-depth conversations that a lot of people probably wouldn't have potentially with anybody else. So it is a it is a big responsibility. And I think being able to bring the focus, the discipline uh, that you apply towards your sport uh, to a career is a hugely important thing. Also, the autonomy. I mean, especially when you start out in, in this profession, Often people struggle to know what to do with their time because, you know, there, there's so many different kind of uh, skill sets, whether that's, you know, talking directly to clients or then, you know, research, writing reports, etc. The compliance side of the job, people struggle to know um, how best to use and apply that time. And I think, uh, you know, a career in sport is very similar. You know, you potentially have a lot of time and autonomy, but you have to use that time really, really well. Otherwise, you know, it does just evaporate. Um, so I think having people that with some level of guidance can then um, have the, 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 the discipline to be able to choose for themselves, uh, if you like, which key areas they need to focus on to best deliver the service uh, is also a really important skill. And do clients like knowing that they're being um, advised by a former cricketer? Is it is it something that's appealing to, to new clients when bringing them on board? Well, I mean, yeah, so we actually take on um, ex-professional athletes. So we've had uh, Brendan Macken work for us for a period of time whilst he was still playing and then he retired and joined us full time. He's now moved on to another larger financial services business, which is great. And Robbie White's currently doing a similar thing with us whilst he's playing professional cricket for Middlesex. Uh, he's gone through the Quilter Advisor School. He's He's kind of now got his qualifications and he's working with us to a point where he can start, you know, um, officially advising clients and being licensed. I think most professional athletes would prefer to be advised by somebody who has played their sport or a sport to a really high standard because they understand the journey that they're going to go on. Um, it is a very different, you know, much like Patrick was saying about, um, you know, the services, it is a very different career path to your kind of nine to five uh, you know, for 30, 35, 40 years. I know that's not as traditional now anymore, but I think most people when they start working understand they're going to be working for the next 30, 35, 40 years in one kind of job or another. 
But sports people have no idea how long their career is going to last. Could be, you know, literally another week if they get a career-ending injury. As you said, for professional golfers, it could be, um, you know, a lot, lot longer. So having somebody that can understand those ups and downs and the volatility of, of, of your career is really important and also can talk in the language that you understand. One of the biggest challenges I found when I started out is you'd sit in meetings with, you know, advisors, other professionals, and I wouldn't understand anything they were saying for an hour. Uh, you know, it took a, a long time to kind of distill all that information and put it into a language that I understood. And that's what we're big on now with our firm is to try and get our whole team to talk to athletes and musicians in a language that they'll understand on day one. Because if, if they don't understand you, they're probably not going to trust you. And, and then that relationship's not going to be as, as positive as it could be. Yeah, and again and again, we hear that the, the, the people skills are the most important things when it when it comes to, to getting into financial advice. And Patrick, you know, the military is known, of course, for having quite a, you know, a rigid um, structure to it. Um, everyone is sort of institutionalized in a way. Is there a is there a, a, a an appealing kind of uh, approach to looking at the financial advice sector for those leaving the military to say, well, actually, you've got loads more flexibility with this next career step for you. There's you can you can design your own professional life without being sort of dictated to or told what to do and, and, and where to be. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. They're going to get to that point of their career where they need that advice because they're going to, when they leave, they, they get what's called gratuity, which is a lump sum at the end of the 22 years. So they need to seek or ideally would seek advice. They will be put in front of uh, certain specialists, as you'd expect the military to, to look after uh, those service leavers. So by doing that, they get interested in it because it comes a big part of their life, whether they're going to be looking at investments or the purchase and property. Um, and then that appetite actually ignites their passion for the industry. And and that at that point, that may mean that there's a further conversation to be had. Touching on what James said, the language is is huge. Um, I use language every day with my customers, the, ma the majority of my customers being from service background, and it instantly allows their guard to drop to tell me everything I need to know. That whole push on getting to know your customer is instant once they understand my background, my staff who work for me, they understand that they will work in the way that I'd like them to, that we've built the business around um, that ethos of looking after our customers. Quite relaxed attitude, and, and, and I'm sure sports people don't put on a suit every day. Um, the military do, but the first thing you do in the military, if you can, is get your shorts on, your flip-flops, and, and you relax. Um, so we try not to, when we go in and give a seminar in, in, a, in a barracks, um, and we go and give them a, a presentation or even if it's just a Q&A, we wouldn't turn up as we would make them uncomfortable in a full suit. Uh, we'd, we'd try to kind of show them that we're approachable and one of them. Um, so I think it's very much about demonstrating that we are one of them. We've been there. Let's just get the trust and then we can talk about what you need to do in terms of the business transaction. You're talking there obviously about um, getting clients from the military as well when you go to barracks and, and you're speaking to people trying to get them on board with your business but have you actively recruited financial advisors from uh, military backgrounds i think it would work um i think it's something that um definitely needs exploring i know that quilter um, have a strong presence at the um, recruitment events that the military put on themselves um, for service leavers to look into these different occupations again it goes to the type of person 
there would be plenty of people in the military that wouldn't want a career in the in that industry. But the life it can give you is kind of that break that you need because you're not retiring at 40. Um, no one in the military will retire and put their feet up at 40. They probably would ideally try to um, and and wish that they could, but they'll they'll get itchy feet and they'll want to be out there and doing things. Coming into an industry like this allows you to work in your own time as 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 much as you want. What you put in, you'll get back out. Um, and again, you can you can decide on the the type of appetite you've got for your clients, where you want to push that. Like we have, we've aimed for the military. With that, we get a lot of other industries. Um, but by building our proposition and and business plan around what the military would expect, I think it's very good for the rest of our customers who haven't experienced that because the guard is dropped. We we're not trying to be something. We're not we're not trying to say we're too special. We're just really here to help, and and that's all we want to do is make their life easy. And question: This is for both of you, actually. There are misconceptions, of course, around um, the financial advice industry. One of the main ones, I assume, being that it's a bit boring. So is it fun? I think it's it's a real privilege to get to know people in in a way that, um, you know, as I said earlier, that they probably, once they do let their guard down, they're telling you things they've told few other people uh, in their lives. Uh, and you get an opportunity to learn about, you know, lots of different people's aspirations, where their success has come from, uh, what they'd like for their future, and ultimately help you know, go on that journey with them to achieve those objectives. So I, I think it's 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 hugely rewarding. Um, it's really challenging. And you know, if you like dealing with and interacting with people on a day-to-day -day basis, I can't think of many, many better jobs, you know, other than actually, um, you know, winning the uh, the Open or, or, <laughs> or uh, you know, uh, headlining at Glastonbury. Obviously, that's probably number one. <laughs> But but we can't all be that fortunate. So ultimately, your to help. Your next career. Your next yeah, career. Yeah, exactly. In another life, but to um, or maybe the seniors tour. But to help to help people like that, and as Patrick said, other people that come to you along the way is a hugely privileged position to be in. And, and we're quite fortunate. You know, I think clients aren't fortunate, but we're quite fortunate in the advice space that there's very very few advisors at the moment, due to the regulations and uh, the examinations that you have to go through. There's been a big, big drop off in the number of advisors that are currently licensed to help clients. And so there's a massive advice gap. And by that, I mean, there's lots of clients that need advice that either don't know where to go to get it. They're not sure who to trust um, or there you know, isn't the access there um, in front of them that kind of makes it easy enough to, 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 to reach out. So, you know, we're not shy on clients and a bit like Patrick's business, you know, we've we, we've we've kind of decided the areas that we're going to focus on uh, and we're fortunate we don't have to work with everybody so yeah I, I think it is it's hugely rewarding and it's great fun enter quilter this is when you say that there's a there's a gap at the moment in the number of financial advisors that's obviously why we're doing this podcast as the you know sort of the basic idea behind it of course um patrick so the question to you would you say it is fun um and i'm i'm assuming you would probably say as well that maybe you you get out what you put in yeah, I'd agree. I, I'm going to refrain from using the word fun. <laughs> it, it's a bit like looking at uh, James's past career. I, I thought that was fun. Um, so, I, so I decided to get in the golf and it's it's hugely frustrating. Um, <laughs> it, it it looks fun on TV um, and, it, and it looks fun at the driving range, but no, it, it's difficult. Um, in the military, it, it's you would both agree. It looks like a very difficult job. Um, the, the majority of people would say it was actually quite fun and, and certainly a big part of their lives. 
um, because they get to do so many different things. I think it is what you make it. Our business, we've tried to create it and make it relaxed um, so that anyone coming into it doesn't feel overwhelmed and too structured because they've had enough of that, um, no matter what. I think to be different, you have to stand out and we try to be relaxed and therefore make it fun. It's a very serious business. So if one person is having too much fun, there's always another person in the in the business that is stressed and, and, and over overwhelmed with the amount of work at their end. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't enjoy it. I would say it's fun now because similar to James, I'm in a position where um, I'm running the company. I've got my staff working uh, for me, but they all enjoy it. And I hope they would say the same thing. It is an interesting industry. Every day is different. You get lost in people's lives. You really, really want that property purchase to go through. You really, really want to help people. Um, and in our business alone, we'd, we'd certainly try to make it more fun. Um, whether that be just kind of team get-togethers, going to the Crystal Maze, um, doing those external activities. But yeah, I, I thought the military was fun. This mm. isn't too bad, um, but I certainly wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't use the word fun. <laughs> I think uh, Patrick's absolutely right. I think you, you nailed, nailed that, Patrick. I, I think there's kind of the three things that we need to do as an industry. You know, one, to Patrick's point, you know, Delivering a great service to clients is quite challenging, and I think that's kind of what you're alluding to, which you know, at times can be quite stressful um, because there's a huge compliance burden, you know, quite rightly so, to make sure that we deliver, you know, good, proper, compliant advice to clients. But you know, so that that that's the element that's challenging. I think the the two things, you know, over and above that, that we need to do to to help improve that. One, we need to get better people. Uh, consistently into our sector that's clear and obvious and the, the last thing I think is that we need to 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 embed technology into our processes um, so that it can help that front end so to Patrick's point the kind of stressful piece most of the time in delivering advice is the stuff that the client doesn't see um, you know, it's a hugely regulated space there's lots of paperwork and and research and uploading documents and making sure everything's right. And and I think that's where a lot of the stress comes from for our team and our sector. Feel free to disagree, Patrick. But 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 that in, in if we can use tech to kind of make that job um, more streamlined and more efficient, then I think actually uh, it will become an even more rewarding job and we'll be able to deliver an even better service for our clients. Well, I think that's a really good time to end this podcast. Thank you both so much uh, for your uh, thoughts, for being so candid with us about your transitions to this uh, career as well. And of course, thank you for your time. That's thanks to Patrick Glennon and to James Rice as well. Thank you all for joining us today for Beyond the Balance Sheet. It's brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. You can find us at www.quilter.com or our advisor school is at www.careers.quilter.com. Also, please do subscribe to this podcast through your preferred platform. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones and thank you so much for joining our conversation.